Welcome to Zion Impact Ministries, the local assembly of the Kingdom Community of Believers. As you listen to this message, we pray that God establishes the governing influence of Christ Jesus in your life through fellowship and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We bless you, Lord Jesus. The God of the house of Israel. We bless you, our great God and Savior. We bless you, Christ Jesus, the God who is blessed forevermore. We honor you, eternal life, and the great God of our salvation. We thank you, Lord Jesus. The glorious image of the Father, the one that condescended so we could have a relationship with the glorious God. The Father was hidden from us, but you are the Father brought to us in a state that we can relate with. We honor you, Jesus. Today we pray that let the knowledge of the glory of God shine in your face and let us have the light of your treasure in our earthen vessels. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. It's such an awesome thing to know Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that it's such an awesome thing to to know about Jesus. But it's such an awesome thing to have a revelation about who Jesus is. Hallelujah. And one of the the reason why I like that song so much is because you know El Elohi Israel means the God of the house of Israel. Now, the singer had the revelation that the God of the Old Testament was Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that Christ is the mystery of godliness that our God became flesh dwelt among men and we beheld his glory it is such an awesome thing Jesus the very God walking on earth I pray we all find him out hallelujah amen I want to honor our father in the Lord Apostle Kinsley hallelujah join your hands together hallelujah amen such an awesome man and then also for the very head of this house he's not around but we honor him wherever he is let's join our hands together for Reverend Barry it's a beauty it's a beauty hallelujah amen can we have our seat I love to hear songs about Jesus you know I love the Holy Spirit and I love the Father, but there is something about Jesus that I really like. There is something about Jesus that I really like. I like him very much. I like him. Hallelujah. So our team is what? Um, righteousness, peace, joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Okay, with thanksgiving. Is that not so? Yeah. Perfect. 
Alright. So today we want to look at righteousness, peace, and joy. 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 We are just going to touch a little bit on that and then we will we will see what the Lord will do. It's just a very short time. Righteousness, peace, and joy. 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 Now, the Bible reveals that, you see, Revelation is the end of the beginning. Hallelujah. Is what? It's the end of the beginning. Or, let me, let me rephrase it. Revelation is actually the beginning in the end. It's the beginning in what? The end. Now because the book of Revelation is telling us of the end of time. But as it is about to tell us of the end of time, it brought back things that were from the beginning. Hallelujah. Ha hallelujah. I hope we are here. Okay. Now, one of the things is that no Christian can ever be a successful Christian without peace and joy. It is impossible. And always I said that there are a lot of Christians that are doing warfare who are not ready for warfare. So many of us, I'm telling you about... I can tell you that about 80% to 90% of Christians in the body of Christ are not ready for spiritual warfare. We are not. Now, even dealing with things within your family, you don't, you don't have spiritual, you don't, you don't have it, I'm telling you. You don't have what it takes to do spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that the first requirement for spiritual warfare is that what? Is that be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong what? in the Lord and what? The power of his mind. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Now the Bible went on to say that therefore because of these things, we should do well to stand in the evil day. Having put on the breastplate of what? Righteousness, the helmet of salvation. Now, it means that before a believer is well equipped to deal that with, with opposition, he has to be fully finished. Hallelujah. Now, in the in the in the spiritual realm, okay, not not by okay. In the I don't want to use this spiritual realm because that word has been chipping now. Everybody wants to talk about spiritual realm, spiritual realm. It has been just. But in the kingdom of God, that which we do not know, we cannot we cannot have. Now it means that the believer who doesn't know what the helmet of salvation is cannot have it. The believer who doesn't know what the breastplate of righteousness is cannot have it. The believer who doesn't know what it is the, what the preparation of the gospel of peace. If you don't know that, you cannot have it. If you don't know what the belt of truth is, you cannot have it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So, it means that majority of us are not really ready for spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. Now, 
Why? Because we realize that much of spiritual warfare is about defense more than attacking. Okay, so let me say, what is the helmet of salvation? What, what does it mean? Let's say that I've been praying for a very long time. I've been praying. Then one day, something happens. Let's say that something happens and then maybe I'm in a relationship. I kiss my girlfriend and fondle her breast. And then I become guilty. Are we okay with that? Okay, very good. Now, something has been happening. But you know that this guilt can go on for like three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. So, you come before God and then you'll be praying and then Satan can just drop the thought. You just remember how you were kissing your girlfriend. You have asked for forgiveness of sins, but still, you realize that that thing is still there. That is one, that is one, it is one sign that you are also not ready for spiritual warfare. Because one of the things for spiritual warfare is that when we fall, we must be quick to recover. Hallelujah. And <laughs> you see, the, the Bible calls something an evil conscience. It means that at that point in time where I did that mistake and the enemy continually bring you, uh, you, have, ex, you have experienced it several times. When you bring the thing, then sometimes you can just you can just come down and like angel, this prayer cry is God hearing it. Yes, this worshiping is God, is God really hearing it. Now, you have been defeated. Hallelujah. Because what you, you, you don't know what we call the advocacy of the Lord Jesus. So, in the process, you see, our whole worship is, is, is a warfare by itself. And there are certain indicators that we need to have in our lives if we, if we must know that we are truly at the right place. And one of those things is what, what we call peace and joy. Hallelujah. He said, for the kingdom of God is not in meat and in drink, but in what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. In what? In the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, why I'm saying this is that in the book of Revelation, the living creatures came and they began to sing. And as they began to sing, they sang a particular song and at the end, they said that all things were made by you and they were made for your pleasure. That was what they, 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 they told God who was sitting on the throne. That all things were made for you. By you, all things do exist and they exist for your pleasure. It means that everything was meant to give pleasure to God. Hallelujah. So God made all things so that he may what? Derive pleasure. When he looks at everything that he has done, he will just what derive what uh, pleasure. Are we okay with that? Okay, just for him to have pleasure. That's all. Okay. But we come to the book of Ephesians, and the book of Ephesians tells us that God made man. All things are supposed to give God pleasure. Are we okay with that? Okay. But the book of Ephesians tells us that there is something we call the goodwill of what? Of the, the pleasure of God's goodwill. And that he made man for that particular reason. Okay? We all know about the fall. That man fell. Okay? Man fell and then man man falling means that what? He lost a particular state before God. 
Okay, are we okay with that? The fall of man has uh, affected two things. His position before God and his nature. So two things. Yesterday, the apostles spoke about it, okay? His position before God and his nature. His position before God and his nature. Are we okay with that, okay? Very good. So, God begins, we are not going to talk about about that because we want to talk about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, God begins a recovery problem. But, you see, God's anger and dissatisfaction was registered on the heart of man. Do you understand that, okay? Very good. And when God began to seek man, okay, it was registered on the heart of man, but man never knew it. That God was his wrath, okay, his anger and his displeasure towards the fall has been registered upon the heart of man. Are we okay with that? So when God began the recovery process, okay, he gave man something he called the law. Okay, very good. And the Bible tells us that this very law is supposed to reveal the wrath of God. God's displeasure against man or God's displeasure against the fallen man. So the Bible said what? The law wicked wrath. Are we okay with that? Have you heard that scripture before? That the law works wrath. Now, so we realize that when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they were walking in the wilderness and they remembered they did so many things against God, but God could not do anything. But immediately the law came, God started killing them. Read the book of Exodus. At the Red Sea, they began to do several things. And then Moses prayed to God, but God didn't kill them. He didn't do them they didn't do anything to them. As a matter of fact, from Exodus chapter 1 to Exodus chapter uh, 19, these people have been doing so many things, but God, God's wrath never came until the law was dropped. Because the law must always work wrath. Are we okay with that? Okay. So, God, in the book of Leviticus, he wants to come and dwell among his people. But he showed the method by which if he wants to dwell among his people, his people will not die because God's holiness is very reactive. And God's holiness reveals his wrath. So that when Nadab and Abihu came into the presence of God to offer, uh, um, um, what do we call it? Um, unholy fire. The fire of God's glory has to quickly come and burn them up. Because God's holiness and God's wrath is very reactive. And so because of this, the people develop something we call an evil conscience. Hallelujah. What? An evil conscience. Okay. Now let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. He said, Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service. and the wo- For there was a tabernacle made the first there wherein no, no, give me, give me um, uh, chapter 10. Sorry, chapter 10. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. So, is that for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year, continually make the comments thereunto perfect. Now, let's watch here. Okay, so, all the sacrifices that were being offered. These sacrifices could not make all the offerings perfect. Okay, now let's move on. What does it say? 
verse 2. He said, For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. Now, let's continue. Verse 3. He said, But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Verse 4. Verse 4. For it is, if it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, so now we are seeing, let's go to um, verse 19. Verse 19. Is that having so we have seen something that the Bible said that what the sacrifices that were done continually could not make the people perfect. Why? Because he couldn't purge their conscience from sins. Are we okay with that? Okay, very good. Is that having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus? Let's continue. Verse 20. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Let's continue. And having an high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, underline it, from what? An evil conscience. Now, this evil conscience was developed in the Old Testament by virtue of God's wrath against sin. Are we okay with that? So much that when the high priest was moving into the Holy of Holies, they had to tie a rope around his leg and then uh, around uh, um, the, the, the hem of his garment, they, they made bells. Are we okay with that? Okay. So these bells must sound. So when he goes, he himself, he doesn't know whether as he's going, he'll return. So can you imagine the kind of fear that he's going with? As I'm going, I don't know what is going to happen. God could reject the sacrifice and if he rejects the high priest and the blood, he has rejected the whole of Israel. So the whole of Israel is waiting behind. So it means that the means by which God received worship was through what? Bringing fear upon the people. And so that fear came as a result of curses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he had to use a particular kind of what method through curses and then through the reaction of his wrath. Now it means that daily then when a believer is when the a person is coming before God to worship, he does not there are so many things that he has to take care of. He has to check himself. Am I not menstruating? Am I not because in the book of Leviticus we see that there are so many laws for holiness and cleanness. Your discharge can make you unclean. You have to stay outside the camp. The Sabbath day, you have to do so many other things. So it means that the believer must always be conscious of his state before coming into the presence of God. Hallelujah. So they had something we call what? The evil conscience. And that evil conscience plagues them because continually their sin dwells within their conscience. So it means that they coming before the father, it means that there was a there was something, there was there was a problem. 
Okay? And this problem was as a result of a conflict between God and man. And so, God had to put in structures that when man was coming before him, these structures must be effectively obeyed so that God can, God can what? Dwell, you know, harmoniously with man without his wrath being what? Reactive. And so, every worshiper coming before God never had peace. Because he cannot, he has no assurance. There was no assurance in the law. The law doesn't give any assurance. Hallelujah. It has only what? Don'ts and do nots. It was on the presence of that. And no one, the Bible said that what? So far as the tabernacle remained, we knew that what? No man had the authority to move into the presence of God. According to Hebrews chapter 9. So even though God dwelt among them, there was only one man allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies, which was the presence of God, to behold God's glory. And that man must enter there only once a year. And that he must only go with what? Blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, it means that there are a lot of us that are still doing Old Testament worship. Because coming into the presence of the Father, you come on the basis of things that you have done right or wrong. And you are thinking that it is on the basis of these things that God is going to accept you. That is Old Testament worship. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, we realize that actually, in the house of Abraham, there were two sons. One was begotten by promise and the other came as a result of slavery. And do you know that all these two sons prospered in the house of Abraham? Isaac prospered. Abraham, was Ishmael also prospered because there, there was a prophecy given to him that he will be great and he will be mighty. Okay? Now, the Bible tells us that these two sons are seeds of a covenant in Galatians chapter 3 that there is a particular mountain which is called Mount Zion and there is a particular mountain called Sinai and Sinai was Hagar who begot Ishmael and what uh, uh, Zion is uh, uh, Sarah that begot what Isaac who was a promise by the spirit are we okay with that okay? so it means that in the, in the house of God because Abraham is the typology of the father. We have now come into a family. But in the family, there are sons that are living by the spirit. And there are sons that come by the law. Hallelujah. And it is one of the things that anybody that works by the law, there is an assurance that there is something you can never have, which is peace and joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, why? Because you cannot have that peace and joy because your righteousness does not come according to a person, but according to standards and methods. It is according to your own standards and methods. And that is what we call self-righteousness. Hallelujah. Now, why? Because, okay, so we realize that 
always in the Old Testament, it is based on my righteousness that I can have a kind of relationship with God because they never had truly a relationship. The things, my righteousness, my standards. So God tells Ezekiel that if a righteous man stops his righteousness and begins to sin, he will die. So that righteousness is ascribed to the worshiper by what he does. Now, because the word righteousness actually means what? An alignment, a relationship. For example, let's say that come for stand here. Can you stand here with me? So this is it. So now let's say that from here to here is a straight line. So we are in alignment in righteousness. When I move like this, I've moved out of righteousness. So righteousness means what? Alignment. Are we okay with that? Okay. Now, righteousness can also stand for a relationship. Now, for example, let's say something. That I'm I'm in a house. Come with you and sit down. Thank you. I'm in a house. And I dwell in the house with my dad. Are we okay with that? Okay, very good. Now, by the, the relationship that I will be having with my father will be different from the relationship that the houseboy will be having with, my, with his master. Because the relationship that I will be having with my father, okay, will be based on what? Will be based on um, um, biological means. Okay? But that which you have with the uh, 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 master and the servant will be on contract. So it means that when this guy, when the, uh, the husband wants to align, he needs to do the demands of the master. But when the, the son that dwells in the house dwells on a biological relationship which cannot be broken, So that is the alignment that I had with my father. Is that is the righteousness, and this righteousness comes as a result of what something that cannot be broken. Are we okay with that? Okay, very good. So now we are seeing that what is what what we are seeing righteousness. So now from alignment, when comfort stood here, I was standing in front of him. That was what was in the Garden of Eden between Adam and then what the father. But when he fell, he came out of alignment. Now, in the when God chose Israel, Israel was still out of alignment. So, God had to set certain things in place so that you can have a relationship with them. So, it means that, let's say that, okay, fine. Um, let's, let's say something. Okay, so, now, I've employed Adam. I'm Adam's master. But we have a contract. The contract is binding, but I don't like Adam. But I just have to endure him. Are we okay with that? Okay. So I'm just so it is because we have a particular contract. So we are you are just dwelling there. Let's just be there. Just just be fine. But there are certain things that we, that, that that are within me that I will not allow you to have. But we are going to work on the means of the contract. Are we seeing this? Are we, are we getting that? Okay. Very good. But now, the very day that something will happen and my heart opens towards Adam. Our relationship will move on from a contract basis to another thing altogether. Why? Because 
And one of the things that we are going to so if Adam realizes that ah, this my boss doesn't like me, one of the things that is going to lose will be peace and joy. Because he has something we call an evil conscience towards me. Because he knows that this man, it is just on the contract, but he is searching to his wrath is just searching for me to, to, to do something to me. Hallelujah. But now, we have another man that came into the picture. And the wrath that was waiting for us. And God has to adjust things so that that wrath doesn't come. Even though in the Old Testament we're seeing a bit of that wrath, that was not the full wrath of God. But those wrath were displayed a little, little by little. We saw 24,000 dying when uh, Israel uh, committed fornication with Moab. We saw when they were complaining, God gave fiery serpents. All those wraths were coming as a result of what? Of a particular law. Or it, it came as a result of what? A particular disalignment. But now we have a particular we have a particular person or let me say the son of God. Now this man came and then the wrath that is coming as a result of disalignment, he took that particular wrath upon himself. Hallelujah. Now, we need to understand something very effectively. Now, in the Old Testament sacrifice, are we okay with that, okay? There is something we call transfer. Okay? Or we call it identification. Now, this thing, you see, for us to relate with God, it is very important that we think like the way God thinks. Otherwise, it will be very difficult for us to think, uh, it will be very difficult for us to relate with God. So now, they brought the animal, the animal that was supposed to be sacrificed. Now, the offerer will lay his hands upon the animal. Are we okay with that, okay? Then, what happens is that his guilt, his sins are transferred to the animal and the righteousness of the animal is transferred to to him. Do you understand? Okay. So it means that he has taken the righteousness of the animal and the animal has taken his wrath and the animal will die in its place. So before God, the dying of the animal is the dying of the man. And before God too, the righteousness of the animal is the righteousness of the man. And this is unchanging in God's sight. Do we see that? Are we okay with that? Okay, very good. So now we have the Lord Jesus coming him the lamp of God, without any sin. He comes to take our place. And the Bible said that he became sin for us who knew no sin. And we became the righteousness of God. Do you understand? Okay, very good. So we became what? The righteousness of God. And this, you see, the, the only thing is that in the Old Testament, when the animal dies, the animal is dead, dead and gone. But in this time, when our let me let me use when our sacrifice died, he didn't just die, but he rose up again, making sure that the reason for which he died, that we may become his righteousness, God will never ever change his mind about that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, what I'm saying is this: if there are two things, if I have something I want to give to my children, okay, I'll write what we call a will, which is a testament. Now, the testament requires that before it can be given to them, I must die. 
tell us that, okay, when I die, there is a lawyer who is a mediator who will make sure that everything that I have willed to my children, they will get it. Do you understand that? Perfect. Now, here we come. The Lord Jesus with all his inheritance. Because he said, all things that the Father had are mine. And in the book of Hebrews, we are told that the servant was, but the, the, the house is for the son. So Jesus comes as God's inheritance, God's all things, and he comes to die for us so that we take his place. So it means that he has he was there. He was not just he was not just a testament that Jesus himself was the testament. He was the will that was written. He was the will and the one who willed the will. So when he died, he was both the promise and then the one who promised. Are we okay with that? Okay. So when he died, it means that we will need another mediator. But because of his resurrection, we didn't need another mediator. He became the same mediator. So that that which he has died for us, he will make sure that the Father will grant everything possible. Now, it is based on this that our peace holds. Because our peace is not something. It's not something. It is a person. And this peace is required that anybody who wants to worship God must be deeply founded in this peace that came as a result of the righteousness of a man that was communicated to us. Let's go to um, uh, Isaiah chapter 32 verse 15. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 15. He said, Until the Spirit be poured upon us on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Let's move on. Verse 16. Then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. Now let's work it. Now verse 17, what does he say? He said, and the work of righteousness shall be what? Peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Now, it means that the peace that I must have in me is dependent on righteousness. But now, the righteousness that I have is a person that is seated down. Because the Bible said that in the book of um, 1 Corinthians, he said what? Uh, uh, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He said, But it is but it is of him. But, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness. Hallelujah. Now, so Christ has become that, he has become our righteousness. Now, if that righteousness is unchanging, then it, it means that my peace must also be unchanging. Do you understand that? Okay, because now my righteousness is not dependent on me but on another person. So it means that whatever will be accounted to that person must be accounted to me. Now here we have a man who was tempted at all points yet without sin. He made him fit to become our righteousness. And you see, it means that come and stand here again. So I was disaligned are we okay with that? Okay. But now, what happened was that Christ became the means, the substance and the method by which the Father aligned me to himself. So it means that I was in the house, okay, and my father is angry with me. But I have 
another guy who came and then he held my hand and my father said okay fine this my son did so 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 and so and so I want to lash him before I can give him the chance or if we can we can do anything so the guy said okay fine these lashes let me take it for your son so he comes to take the lashes for the son and what he has done is that he has reconciled so righteousness is reconciliation so he because he reconciles that peace that was lost between father and son is restored by virtue of reconciliation and now this reconciliation can never be broken because the reconciliation was dependent on the righteousness of someone and this Jesus we were told that Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever that righteousness is unchanging it means that reconciliation is, is unchanging it means that my peace can never change now it is by this revelation that we move now therefore a believer that is functioning by the fact that his peace and joy is dependent on things around him has not known what we call the New Testament he is still a, an Old Testament worshipper Because what? The work of righteousness shall be what? Peace. We have been reconciled to the Father. Are you aware of that? Therefore, it means that if we have been reconciled to the Father, now, let's say that I know that I have someone. This person is unchanging. It's all powerful. It's all knowing. He's everywhere. And this person is for me. Is there? No, I, I don't know. Is there a way you can ever lose peace? That I know that I am with someone. He's almighty. He's all knowing. He provides everything. And this, this person is with me everywhere I go. He's in me. He dwells with me. Is there a way you can ever lose peace or joy. Now, it means that right now, one of the things that we are lacking is that we don't have faith in the righteousness and the reconciliation that the Father offered through His Son, Jesus. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 1. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. He said, therefore, being justified by what? What were we justified? Now, give me, give me Romans chapter 4, the last two verses. He said, but for us also, no, 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 Romans chapter 4, okay, verse um, 23. Okay, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Let's go. He said, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead now let's look at it he said, for who was delivered for our offenses now watch it Jesus was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification so it is by virtue of the resurrection of Christ that we were justified we were made righteous and we were reconciled are we okay with that okay now let's go to um, chapter 5 from verse 1 he said therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our what so it means that the means by which we have faith oh sorry the means by which we have peace is through faith 
in what? The Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, if a, if a believer is losing peace, it is not because of circumstances, it is because he doesn't know who the Lord Jesus is. Because the Lord Jesus is not the only means through which his peace came, but the Lord Jesus is his very peace. Ephesians chapter um, um, 2, verse 14. Now, let's take it, let's take it from um, verse 13. Can we all read together? Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 13. Can we all read? Ready? Go. So he's talking about the reconciliation. Are we, now, let's start from verse 11. We are all reading together. Verse 11. Uh-huh. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by which, by that which is called the circumcision, in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers. Let's calm down. Mm-hmm. And strangers from the covenants of promise, uh-huh. having no hope, and without God in the world. Mm-hmm. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made Please, nigh by this, the this translation is too heavy for us. Change it, the verse 13, change it to some N, uh, NIV or NLT. No, NLT is fine. Uh-huh. For Christ himself. No, no, give us verse 13. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, mm-hmm. but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So that is what reconciliation. Do we say that? Yeah. We were far away. We were alienated. But now by the blood, we have been what? brought near. Now let's continue. Verse 15. Sorry, verse 14. Sorry, verse 14. Verse 14. Mm-hmm. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Mm-hmm. He united Jews and Gentiles. Now, change this one now. Now this NLT has filled here. So let's change it to uh, KJV. For what? For he is our peace. For he is our peace. For his what? He is our peace. He is now our, our peace. Now, why did God do this? Because it is impossible for the believer to ever do anything in God without peace and joy. It is impossible. Now, because it was impossible, the very first work of righteousness had to be peace. Now, if you need to go into Ashesi University, what do you need first? Admission. Without admission, there's no need. You can't get anything. You can't get, so you can't do anything. So peace is the first, first requirement. Now, if no, you just imagine, go do do go do everything. Everywhere where there is war, is there any progress? If there is, if we bring war right, if war comes right now, what must happen? Everything will, will come to a hold. So imagine that every believer. So it means that you know something. Now it means that the metric of our growth is the amount of peace that we have. The amount of the, the we can our level of the growth of our faith and our work with God by peace. These are the indicators. 
That is why every prayer that Paul prays that grace and peace be unto you. Now, why? What is that? Paul told us that peace is actually that which we wear. Do you remember uh, Ephesians? He said what? And the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the gospel itself is the gospel of peace. And the new covenant, according to Ezekiel, is what we call the covenant of peace. God, the whole good news is glad tidings. And glad tidings brings the fact that what? There is peace has been restored. He said, now we are peace being justified. And it is based on this peace that the believer, because the peace is an anchor that stabilizes him. You see, there are very important things in our lives. Peace, joy. And so many people are not pursuing it the right way. You see, I can tell you something. I don't care how long you pray. If you don't have peace, it is not doing anything. Before God can do anything, he has to restore that peace. And by restoring that peace, he has to bring it to the place of knowledge. Hallelujah. We realize that everything about us. Let's say, let, let me let me show you something. Assuming this is the will of God for you. Okay, let's say that this this church, let's say that okay, fine, this church is the will of God for you. And then you are in this church, but people don't like you. They mistreat you and they misuse you. If you don't have peace, you will definitely leave the church. So it means that peace is needed to ground the man in the will of God. And when peace grounds you, there is nothing that Satan does that you are going to move. It makes you unwavering. Because the Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 164 that it said, Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall cause them to stumble. Let's go there. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 verse 164. Sorry. Is it 165? Look at it. There's very good. Great peace. What? Give me another version. The right word is actually is nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall cause them to be to, be, to stumble. Now it means that the very moment a believer begins to become offense free, it means that there is a reaction of the Holy Ghost within that person and he is becoming Christ-like. Because there was nothing ever that could move the Lord. The Lord was, the Lord was so peaceful. In the midst of the sea, when the, when the boat was moving, what he, said, what, what, he, was, he was just there. who love your law have great peace nothing makes them to stumble now you see we need we need unshakable peace and not just peace but peace and joy now 
immediately peace comes. It has a twin brother called joy. They come along. It is impossible for peace to dwell somewhere without joy coming as a without joy coming. Because joy is the means by which you see peace stabilizes us, it grounds us. And without stability, we can't do anything. If this building is not stable, we can't do anything here. But joy is the means by which what we receive from the Father. So the Bible says that with joy ye shall fetch from the wells of salvation. Let's go to uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 12, verse 6. Sorry, verse 3. Isaiah chapter 12. He said, Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the springs of salvation. So, everything that God has given to us, in, in the day you got born again, all the promises was within that salvation that was communicated to you. And everything that God would ever do to you is in the Holy Ghost. But the means by which you can, it is not that the Father is unwilling to give it to us, but it is, are we willing to receive it? The hands by which we receive is joy. So, there are so many of us that the Father is giving us things, but we are handless, so we cannot receive. Now, that is why I'm saying that your knowledge, you knowing who the Lord Jesus is, is a factor of your Christian victory because everything about your life is dependent on him. And the father is unwilling. No, it's not that he's unwilling. He's not going to do anything for anyone who does not have sufficient knowledge of his son. That is why Paul said what? I count all things by thank that I may win him. For the, I made us prayer, particular prayer. I said what? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. You see, when you know this man, there is some kind of peace. And that peace, I remember when I was when I was, when I was, when I was sick. Oh, kapala somba kadakizo zaza. You see, peace keeps you grounded. It doesn't matter what the enemy does. It may, it may be disturbed, but it, is, it, it will come, it will, it will be stabil, uh, stabilized. Oh my God. Because people lack peace, they have left places that were their place of destiny. Because the enemy will shake you. He said, Thou keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So, peace is as a result of trust. And the Bible said that word. He said, They that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. As the mountains are surrounded Jerusalem, so shall the Lord surround his people. Now, the reason why David was using, They that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. Because where Mount Zion is located, there are earthquake lines that are connected to him in the, in the white shape. So one is coming like this, another one is coming like this, another one is coming like that. But Mount Zion has been there ever since. There has been earthquake, but Mount Zion is still rooted. Countless, but Mount Zion is still where Mount Zion is. What we call the Temple Mount, it has been there ever since. 
So now, peace what? It keeps us. You see, he said, that will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is what? Stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Why didn't Jesus? Oh, our time is up. Why didn't Jesus in the ship when the water was going like this? Why didn't Jesus wake up? Because he has given the word that we are crossing to the other side, not to the bottom of the lake. So, because the word has come forth, he knows that so shall be the word that cometh forth out of my mouth. They shall not return to be void, but they shall accomplish that which I please. And they shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. So, as he has said, we are moving to the other side. Nothing moves him. Faith grant us peace. And that peace is unmovable, unshakable. We can, it can come. You see, the horrors of hell can come, but peace will keep us grounded. And because of that, that peace that keeps us grounded, joy will spring like the wells of salvation and will continually begin to receive from the Father. Oh, the Bible says something. It said that, do not be anxious for anything. But in all things with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth understanding shall garrison. So it means that peace itself is like a defense system. So there are, there are precious things that believers should be looking for. That we dig deep and we look at what the gospel is offering. There was a, a young girl when Boko Haram captured uh, the girls and killing them. There was a girl that they said, deny Jesus, we'll go. If you don't deny Jesus, we'll behead you. There was one girl. She became a mystery to the Muslims. Because this girl said, no way. She's not, she's not, she's not, oh, Raku, Samba, Tuske, Davadam, a redeemed Christian church, small girl. He said, she's not, she's not, she's not, she's not giving up on Jesus. She's not denying Jesus. They can kill her. They can do. She's not denying. Great peace have they that love thy law. What? What was? What gave the? What? What impetus did those people that walk into the flames of fire had? There was some peace. That peace is is we can't understand it. It passes understanding. an assurance. He said, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. Assurance and quietness. When, you see, in the Old Testament, no matter what happens, the outer court was always busy. There were activities at the outer court. Everybody, the Levites, everybody could come to the outer court. But we proceed to the holy place. Now, the holy place, only Levites were not allowed to, because there were three people that worked within the, the temple. The Levites, the priest, and the high priest. Now, the Levites have access, and any offerer, anybody who's coming to offer something, can enter into the holy, the, uh, the outer court. But the holy place, it is only the priest that enter there. So it means that the outer court was always busy. The inner court, the priest entered there to do services like turning the lamp, pouring oil, changing the showbread. Uh, point incense upon the incense altar. But the Bible said that in the outer court, nobody went there. 
it was peaceful, quiet. And from there, God told Moses, said, from the midst of the cherubim, I will commune with you, I will speak with you. So, now, this is us. Our body represents the outer uh, court. Our soul represents the holy place. But our spirit represents the holy of holies. Now, if your work can disturb your prayer life, it means that there's your, your model is not according to the noble, the model that God created. Because in the, in the tabernacle, nothing, no activity of the outer court must if affect the peace and conditions of the inner court. Sorry, of the uh, uh, Holy of Holies. So, my job is causing me that I lose my prayer life. I lose my Bible study life. I lose, you are, you are, you are, you are not the, the, the new creation God created. You are not like that. Because this peace that dwells in the Holy of Holies, the Shekinah that dwells there, nothing must enter. Nothing must enter. It is only the high priest, which is Christ, that is allowed to enter your spirit. But how many of us do a lot of things affect us and destroy our communion? Today, you pray for uh, two weeks, then you stop. Oh, my job has become too, too high. Charlie, we'll end here. God bless us all. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you were blessed by this message, share it with someone so they can be blessed too. We look forward to fellowshipping with you next time at Zion Impact Ministries.